Guys, the boys over at Kyogre Broadheads have a great deal going on their 175 grain pilot cuts. Jump onto the kyogrebroadheads.com.au website, select the 175 grain pilot cut in either 6-pack or 12-pack, add to the cart, head to checkout, and input the quantity of 3. Use the promo code 24, which is the numeral 2, F-O-R, and your first pack will be free. So that's either a free 6-pack or a free 12-pack. Sounds a bit like beer. Awesome deal, so take full advantage just in time for the rut. Guys, if you're like me of late, I've had a hard time in finding what arrow shafts would like to run for the 2019 season. Weighing up costs, durability, consistency being the major factor, and overall shootability will seem to be quite the task. After several strong recommendations for close mates, I was introduced to Shane from Bowhunters Domain. Now the BHD shafts are hand-selected and matched by Shane himself for consistency with quality stainless steel half certs and with a few other options in the works. They come in the 250, 300 and 400 spine shafts, suitable for a wide range of setups. So with that in mind, and Shane's very humble but confident advice, I was quick to order. If you're looking for an affordable arrow shaft with excellent customer service to back it, then jump onto bowhuntersdomain.com.au and while you're there, use the HCDU10 discount code on checkout. We're back on deck. Right. <laughs> oh, and it, you wouldn't believe it. It's even started raining. Yeah, we we need some of that down here at Brizzy, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, isn't it? Townsville's flooding, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's crazy up there. They 100-year uh, flood type stuff, so. Unreal. Speaking of Australia, mate, you can't pick it. Oh, I know. Like, down at even Tassie's in, in all uh, bushfires and what's yeah. happening down there. Yeah, I uh, chatting to some people the other day and they said, oh, you know, never knew it could get over 25 in Tassie and they're talking 35 in bushfires now, so. Yeah. But <laughs> absolutely crazy. Yeah, well, mate, we, we, we left it at, uh, well, before I had to quickly go to the toilet, we left it at, uh, you know, the, the experience in Africa, you know, and, yep. and with the leopards. But moving into hunting and, you know, and obviously, you know, from what we talked about, it's something that's been a huge part of your life. Um, you know, I, I understand, you know, right through your military time and all that kind of stuff, but something you've always, you know, you've always been sort of around. Yeah. You know, how, how did it sort of start for you? Who got you into it? And, uh, you know, how did it, how did it grow? Uh, was, it, was it a quick process or was it something that uh, evolved over the years? No, as a, as a lad, I was lucky. Um, my family sort of all had rifles. I grew up. Uh, west of Cairns, a little town called Mariba, and um, my grandfather, he was uh, worked on the council up there as a one of the foremen, and he used to have to drive out west a lot past Chile, going out out west up that way up yeah, the Cape. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, yeah, so he he spent a lot of time out that way, and I sort of grew up out that way as well. I mean, school holidays, I used to go with him weeks on end, and he actually used to shoot. Um, pigs and whatnot and then he also used to shoot uh, dingoes for the bounty and give them into the shire council um so i've seen him cull oh, heaps and heaps of, of dingoes and wild dogs up that way skin them and then take take the skins back for the bounty yeah uh, so he taught me how to shoot as, as a lad and and you know um i grew up with my grandparents and i think i was probably 10 when i had my first air rifle and then yeah, just shooting everything, everything and anything to move. That. 
I think that's how we most started link, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. I probably shot about a million cane toes, which would have made Pauline Hanson pretty happy, but um, <laughs> I don't think I put a dent in them. <laughs> no, no. But, uh, and then, yeah, from I, I think the first into archery was I was there and a, a kid down the street had a bow and I've still got that same bow and he, he was a rich kid and he, typical rich kid they sort of get everything and don't don't look after stuff and i think i bought it off him for like 20 bucks or something so yep. and that got me into archery at about i don't know 10 i suppose and then yeah flinging arrows with that as, as a kid and spending you know any pocket money i had on arrows from the sporting goods store up there and sort of always like that sort of thing and then you sort of grow up and you get you know you finish school and that sort of stuff and you, you're worried about employment and whatnot and uh, yeah, joined the army as I said, and then from there got sort of back into archery and bow hunting, and and uh, pretty much, yeah, one of the mentors was old Graham Foster up in Cairns, who's still up there now. He's old yep. Vietnam, and um, so we sort of yeah got on quite well at a as as a two lads can. I was yeah you know in the army, and he was a, obviously a Vietnam veteran and, and also an infantryman in Vietnam. Yeah, for for eight RAR. Um, so very uh, relatable. Military yeah. and uh, and bow hunting. Yeah, and he, he'd shot a lot of game up the Cape with a bow, you know, with a recurve, and, and later on with um, compounds as well. Mm-hmm. Um, shot a stack of pigs, probably, yeah, in the thousands, I'd say, would have shot up the Cape in yeah. all that, all them places in the Gulf and, and whatnot for years with the Tully boys and all the rest of it. Um, so, yeah, and then he was sort of one of my mentors, and then, going to shoots up there and archery shoots and, and joining bow hunting clubs and that sort of thing and sort of roll from there. But, I yeah. yeah, come come full circle and went, as I explained before, went and shot a shot traditional gear from pretty early on in, in my bow hunting career, I guess. Yep, yep. And what was the uh, – I mean, obviously, that's, that's kind of where you cut your teeth. But it, what was – you know, how did things evolve for you? Like where, where did – I guess it kind of got serious and, and obviously you started meeting – you know, obviously the crew you know now, but uh, you know, what what what's a, a time that sort of sticks in your mind? Oh, probably around the two thousand year two thousand ninety nine two thousand. I was I was living in Townsville at the time. Spent a lot of time with with Brad Kane, and then uh, I was lucky enough to to spend time with Bill Baker. Yeah, uh, and him and I again got on like a house on fire, and going to you know because Bill was moving up to Tully, and then he was obviously guiding. Uh, out on the basalt there and mm-hmm. um, spent a bit of time with Bill out at, out at Toomba and wow. yeah it was, my biggest my biggest regretting hunting life mate not getting a hunt yeah, with Bill he was a, an exceptional man and, and I was I never made his to jump forward a bit I, when he passed away I was working and I, I couldn't get to his funeral but uh, Linda rang me and said Al we're, we're going to spread, spread his ashes up in Toomba would you like to come out and I was humbled and shocked and you know, didn't know what to say other than yes, of course. Sure. So we drove out from Townsville and uh, spread his ashes there at Tomb. And I've never actually told many people this story. And it's it's a bit funny to tell because it's just one of those things that, I don't know, as a man you sort of feel like it's a oh, a weird story. But I'll, I'll carry on with it anyway. It, it, when we spread Bill's ashes at a little spot, and a lot, some people know where it is, it's been there. Um, there was a handful of people around us. I don't know. Johnny Tightsell was one. Um, 
Robin and Ernest from the property, uh, Brad Kane and his family, um, my kids, um, and a few others were there. Oh, was Dan Smith was there. Nick Russell. Um, yeah, Mike. Uh, he was a gin- he was a jindy boy. And he made probably, for bills, yeah. Yeah, it's a while ago now, so I, yeah. I don't know exactly who everyone that was there, but um, yeah, we'd all sort of gathered around this spot, and they Brad and Young Rowan concreted in the, the broadhead sort of sign that they put in the ground and the basalt there that hopefully still there hadn't been flooded away. But um, And we all sort of stepped forward to grab a, a handful of Bill's ashes out of like this um, container that, can, that held them in. And it was a weird thing. Like I, I put my hand in and grabbed a handful of Bill's ashes and, and dead set. It was like, it was hard to explain. It was like someone, something like grabbed my hand as hard as you could grab it, and like a, like a thump in yep. my hand. It, it shocked me. It was like, oh, like, like electric it took shock. Me back. Yeah, it was like, like something grabbed me, like a, like a small fright or something. It was a really weird feeling. That's why I really don't like to tell the story much. A, because people look at you funny, and or you know, and B, it's just you know, this, it's someone's ashes you're sort of dealing yeah. with in quite an emotional time. I'm actually say. Everyone's going to hear it on the podcast now, but um, it was it's a weird, sensational feeling. That, and I, I sort of was going to write about it, and I didn't write about it. And it was just, I sort of had it in my mind. It was like a final goodbye from a yeah. good mate. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not a spiritual guy or any of that sort of thing. And I'm being, I've said and, and, and been places where I, I sort of don't have any religious beliefs. Um, but to have that, that sort of, that, that moment, I guess, that spiritual sort of, yeah. sort of, Final handshake, dare I say it, was uh, something that sort of still sits with me today. And yeah, and anyone met Bill, spent time with Bill. Um, I'd never heard a, a bad word said about him. You know, he oh. was always quick to help someone, smile. You know, give you the shirt off his back or give yeah. you his last hour. He might give you half a warm beer, but that was <laughs> <laughs> he, he'd probably fight you over that. But, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, Billy Baker, he was nature's gentleman, and and so that was sort of like the the launching pad i guess for want of better words sort of me going like yeah, full time like everything that's a sort of open and shut in my life was to do with with bow hunting and, and, yeah. and archery and, yeah and that was sort of like the springboard of it i guess um and spending time with brad kane and townsville and his lovely wife tracy and, and young rowan as well who's a young man himself now doing a, a lot of hunting doing a lot, yeah pretty. yeah so that was sort of the, the springboard of it, I guess, and and being up there, and then yeah, meeting Dan Smith and spending time with him, and 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 a lot of other guys that sort of you sort of like ships in the night. You you meet them and you go, oh, here you go, and you hear about them, and then you sort of mightn't see him again for a couple yep. of years because yep. you know Townsville sort of Townsville, and and it's a way out there, and a lot of people live down south, you know. So gotcha. And it's not until you go to like the Wild Deer Expo or something like that. That you sort of bump into people and you think, ah, oh, yeah, that's who that is, you know. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, that was all. Well, that was us last year, wasn't it? Like it was, yeah. You know, bumped at the expo and you know between beers and those kind of things, it was sort of <laughs> like, oh, yeah. No, I remember. Geez, oh, I remember him from the magazine or you know the yeah. story or whatever it may have been. And I tell you what, it was amazing how close a lot of us were and how close we just shaved paths and but didn't actually yeah, meet yeah. and things like that it was quite amazing. And and the weekends like the expo, like it's it's they're good to catch up like it um and i don't i think i've, I've lost track on with someone told me that it's, they're having them yearly now or something to that effect um 
It's a sore point, and I'm going to throw it out there, but I'm going to let you finish your story first. But okay, but uh, yeah, I just to say well, that those those weekends are great. You know, like it's guys can sort of look forward to every two years uh, getting there and catching up with you know the like. That's where I first met Herbie, and he, he yep. touched me inappropriately after that, and I've sort of <laughs> <laughs> I've had to hang around him oh, from then. People go, people go really start worrying about him. Like. <laughs> sorry, Herb. <laughs> sorry, Herbie. Um, but no, like that's you know, like I met a lot of guys there. Met Jack Spinks there for the first time. Yeah. Um, just heaps of guys. You know, I catch up with with the Stogianistic boys, or however you pronounce their bloody last name. Yeah. Um, Doug and Tony. Doug and Tony. Yeah, <laughs> wrong with that. <laughs> but you know, for me, they live so far away. Like yeah. those weekends are great. Um, but yeah, it's and I think from what you're going to allude to, that's all changed now or something. A bit of politics involved with it. It is, mate. Um, yeah, look, a, a, a company, a management company, and I, this goes out to everyone, please, if you can, just just make a little note to them, send them an email. But the management company of whoever the rights have gone to, I understand Berkey's handed them over for the next few years or whatever it may be. I don't know the insides and outs, but you know they're, they're running it smack bang in the middle of uh, the Red Deer fellow deer up it's the 29th or something of march uh it the location's great you know it's in melbourne so you're getting in numbers and all that there easy for us to fly down from out of state yeah but guys like the worst date like obviously they're not hunting so that the people that are running it aren't hunters um and straight away there it's such a good thing is going to be really affected purely by a date because they don't know when they should have it um yeah. We've sent some emails. I know Grant Rand from from Koyuga sent an email, t- got me in it as well. And yeah, I hope they listen to this, guys. You've got to care because you're going to pretty much have no New South Wales or Queensland people there, South Australia, and probably half Victoria. No. So, um, very That's- very poor. And and I hope it doesn't deter the the guys that might do all the effort with the vendors to to get there next year if they change it. I've stick by it but yeah they've got to do something about that so anyway that's yeah, my rant that's my rant for this podcast anyway yeah nothing wrong with a decent rant mate um, yeah it just annoyed me really annoyed me because i had so much fun last year i yeah. won't be there this year you know because one well, we, you know i'll be probably hunting but even that like everyone else won't be there yeah like you, the likes of myself you know like times time's limited and then i know what i would rather be yes i love and as a you know alluded to before like i like going down and catching up with everyone but flying to melbourne over that sort of period or staying up here and spending five or six days in the bush um <laughs> yeah you're telling yeah, me <laughs> yeah yeah a, a the cost and, and b that's at the end of the day i'm a hunter so i'm gonna go do yeah you know chase the reds when they when they when they're talking i'm not yep. gonna you know fly to melbourne and talk about red deer hunting um yeah that's that's a bit strange they probably need to rectify that yeah, it's sort of, ah, look, it's just one of the things. Hopefully they learn from it this year. They don't make the same mistake again. And, uh, yep. yeah, next year we can move on to, to a better date. Yeah, get everyone yeah. there. I, I loved it. I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. You know, it, I think it's great for the for the hunting community. So, um, you know, and I, def- I think there should be more of them, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, I agree. It definitely should be something more set in stone of a location and a, and a, and a weekend uh, that you know, like the Yanks have got all that again. Oh, up you've got show day. season. You've got January, February show season. Like that, that's that's what happens. Middle of winter, they can't do much else. Um, yeah. yeah, got it sorted. But once again, you know, it's it's a numbers thing. It's the people who run it. So um, yeah, 
and I mean, we could drag on and talk about that for ages. I, I don't know, why can't we do the same here and have it, you know, in, in a, a decent venue in Melbourne or wherever we and can. make it, yeah. Yeah, we make can. We can, definitely. And I think, yeah, I mean, if anyone else is keen, I'll be, I'd be happy to sort of, you know, steer it. Uh, this year's obviously, you know, it's all too soon now, but, you know, actually we can definitely get something sorted, I'm, I'm sure of it. So, um, but, you know, jumping jump back to your hunting and, and, and we sort of, you know, you, you spoke of Toomba and things like that, but, you know, having, having experienced those kind of places, you know, I guess you're, you're, you would have set things pretty high, like the bar would have been set pretty high as far as experiences go. Like what, what's some of the, the standout hunts that you've experienced, you know, whether there was a harvest or not, but, you know, some of the, some of the ones that really stood out to you? As in Australia or overseas? Can be anywhere, like, mate. Can be anywhere. Yeah. Um, I guess a lot. Of, I spent a fair bit of time up on on the basalt, not so much at Toomba, but uh, around there, just chasing chill. And I, I really cut my teeth, you know. And again, I don't know why I dragged a bloody recurve or a longbow. <laughs> <laughs> I could have killed that many, yeah. that many deer. <laughs> but uh, it's oh, there's there's a number of times like, you know, even I, both my kid or all my kids now have shot their first deer. Um, with a rifle and I've been there with them and, and you know, they helped them cut the animal up. Um, a few other people I've guided, like my wife, she shot um, with with her rifle two, two chittle does right beside each other one afternoon up on the basalt there and, you know, a, a freezer full of meat. And, oh. and there's no, no better feeling than going home and, you know, she shot her first two animals with her rifle in her own time, yep. um, guided by me on, again, knew what the deer were doing. Um, but you know, down the track, like we, we've got a bloody freezer full of meat and, you know, we're making venison pies or smoking awesome. some backstrap or doing roasts or whatever. And yeah, and it's just a great feeling that knock on effect of why, why we hunt, but, um, you know, we eat what we, what we kill that sort of, sort of methodology. But, you know, there's been a number of hunts there. Like another time I was out there with me, Mitchell, my adopted son and, Again, same sort of area. We're pushing down through this black sort of tea tree area where I knew the deer would come into. And I just said to him, mate, we just sit here on this log. These deer will feed out onto us. And he's like, oh, you're right. Okay, Dad. I said, just sit here and be quiet, mate. And I um I didn't have a round in the chamber of the rifle because we're just meat hunting at the time. I just said, hey, you hang on the rifle. Just sit it on your foot and, um, you know, the barrel facing up there. You just sit here and watch. And, and sure enough, the deer, all the deer fed out. And we didn't hear, didn't see it at the time, but a big wedgetail eagle come swooping down and pushed, um, like a young was chasing a young fawn and a doe and pushed him straight through the scrub. And this this wedgetail is just like flying after these uh, this this chittle hind and and young fawn, chasing them through the scrub and literally like herding them right to us. And we're sitting on this log, and they <laughs> yeah they stopped and propped, not literally you know. I, shit, you, could, you couldn't really spat on them that yeah. close to it. And, and I casually looked down at my boy, and his eyes were just like saucepans looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> and that, 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 that chittle doe, she was stamping a foot on the ground and she was looking up in the air and like sort of half making a like a nasally bark yep. like at, at this um, wedgie that was sort of circling up above us. And, you know, then the, the, uh, the, the young fawn, it sort of, you know, as they do, just sort of died, like not died, but sort of lowered itself in the, hit itself in the grass and right, literally right at our feet. 
And uh, I mean, we didn't fire a shot, but that that to be that close to, oh. to seeing all that, and and then of course the wind sort of they caught a bit of our movement or, or, or a bit of scent, and, and off yeah. they spooked. But yeah. um, that was just an amazing, and like that was probably my boy's first trip out. Oh wow! Deer, Jeez. You know, so that's a way to get uh, into it. Yeah, and, and like, and then that later that trip we shot, well, I shot another deer, and you know, um, dropped the stomach out and all that. And we, we took it back to the homestead and hung it in the coal room. And, you know, when we got back to town, he, he was real proud to tell his mum that, oh, yeah, I helped dad cut up the deer and all this yeah. sort of stuff. And, <laughs> you yeah. know, so he got to sort of – and then when we are cooking it months afterwards or weeks afterwards, he's, he was, oh, is this our deer, dad? Yeah, mate, it was. So that, that to me is – that's cool. You know, worth, that's just gold, you know, yeah. in, in the memory bank sort of thing. So. And your appreciation, and, you know, we're talking about, like, the kids growing up and those kind of things, and I don't think it's ever too early to expose them to that kind of stuff at all. I really don't. I think it's no, it's, no. A, it's a natural way to be, and, you know, it's our, that's exactly, how we're here. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And, like, we were walking along, and I, I'd, I'd um, took all the rounds out of the rifle and put them in my pocket you know, chambered it again and made sure it was empty and, and gave him the rifle. So there you go, mate, you carry it. Yep. Oh, okay. And then, of course, he carried it like a broomstick, you know, and I had to sort of, you know, explain, you know, okay, carry it this way, don't point, keep your finger off the trigger, outside the trigger guard, that sort of thing. You know, just mm-hmm. teaching basic, you know, weapon handling skills and, and things like that. And as he gets older and if he does a bit of rifle hunting with him, I can guarantee nothing will be in his, in his weapon until he's ready to fire and then I'll give him the bullet just for safety reasons and, and teach him, you know, correct weapon handling techniques. Yeah. Because um, as we know, you don't get a second chance with, with no. uh, deer cartridges. They hit you, you're done. So Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, and I've sadly seen a lot of guys, not a lot of guys, but I've seen a few guys um, being accidentally shot in my time in the military. So both intentionally and unintentionally, um, and it's it's yeah, high, high velocity rounds and the human body shouldn't mix. So. No, no, definitely not. But, how much um, um, how much sort of international stuff you mentioned Colorado before? You've obviously done Africa and yep. yep. Sorry guys, uh, if the uh, the rains. I'm just going to enjoy the rains. I hope it's a nice it? background noise. That is a good background. That actually <laughs> like part of your podcast intro. Yeah, it's going to come in now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I've been lucky to, to hunt a few. I've been to New Zealand twice. Yep. Um, I've been to set of Africa three times now in, in Namibia. Um, oh. Hunted there. Yeah. Then I hunted uh, in Colorado in the US. That was back in 2009, I yep. think it was. And yep. then I went and hunted black bear in 2013 in British Columbia in, in Canada. Awesome. 2013. Yeah. Yeah. What what month? August. Uh, June. I was there yeah. spring. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, that was my first elk trip was twenty thirteen. Yeah, right. September. Yeah, there you go. No, it's um beautiful. I, I love Canada. I, I mean I love travelling anyway, but uh, Canada's yeah. just a, a special place. It's um and I, I was lucky enough to hunt with a guy over there that hunts with a stick bow himself and Awesome. Yeah, they Jeff Land is his name and Yeah. Yeah. He's He's been hunting up there for eons, and I think he's even had like the meat eater crew there, and um, the likes of Aaron Snyder and the Gritty Bowman have hunted there. And, I think um, I've seen it through Snyder stuff, actually. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So them guys, if they, if whatever you see, and they've done a few, um, or a couple of their 
uh, short videos on their BC bear hunts. That's actually where I was hunting. So, yeah, awesome. Yeah, they're on YouTube, and I'll bring them up every now and then and just watch them just for the, the scenery. and um, that's, Ignite, that's ignite the fire. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a beautiful – and he's a good lad, Jeff. He's a, one of them old-school guys, like getting back to social media. He'll get people ring him up and go – I'm such and such and I've got, you know, 100,000 followers and I'm coming out, you can give me a free hunt, this sort of attitude, and Jeff will <laughs> cut them down pretty quick and go, yeah, never heard of you. You're not welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brutal. Yeah, he's, he's actually called the internet bully. So, <laughs> But, uh, and again, that's obviously some of the twitch you get on social media as it is. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's... That's sort of pretty much where I hunted. If I can, I'd hunt Africa every year. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah, so it's got a, it's, it holds a special place with you. It does. It does. Like my wife and I got married there in 2015. Um, awesome. Yeah, in the desert on the on the edge of the Kalahari, sort of. And what? And what? And, do, if you don't, if you don't mind asking, like what? What draws you to Africa? Like, what is the? Oh, apart from the hunting and that, but you know, obviously, it's got a lot to do with that. But you know, what? What is yeah. it? What? What ticks you? What? What pushes your butt? Well, I guess when I grew up, I watched a lot of black and white Tarzan films and those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, and it just always fascinated me. Like, I remember reading a couple of, you know, old comic books on the Phantom in Africa and that sort of thing. Just sort of, you know, and then, you know, shooting 15-pound um, fiberglass kids' bow and that sort yeah. of thing in the, around the backyard. And that, it's, I guess I just sort of fantasized and evolved in my head and then, Getting back to rolling with Brad Kane and, and um, Bill Baker and even Dan Smith, um, a lot of them guys had hunted Africa before and I hadn't. And then sitting around the campfire at Toomba, you know, having a couple of um, rum and waters um, way down the back when we'd backpacked down the back region there. <laughs> um, listen to them guys talking about hunting Africa and, 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 and that's, it, you know, it was just like, you know, he, like I was a kid again listening to someone, you know, tell this awesome hunting story because both Brad and Bill could, could tell a hunting story. Oh, yeah. Even, and even Dan Smith, you know, he can tell a good hunting story. And listen to them and Laney Smith, God rest his soul. Um, yeah. Them guys and, and Laney as well, you know, telling hunting stories on, on how they, you know, they, they crawled in and they shot this animal at this range. And I'd be on the edge of my seat just in awe of them. And I sort of said to myself back then as a young man, I said, oh, you know, if I could – if I could only get to Africa once before I'm 40, you know, I'd, I'd die a happy man. Well, yeah. I got there at 38 years of age and I got there again at 40. So I was pretty, awesome. pretty done well. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it sort of holds. And then, like, yeah, my wife and I got married in Namibia in 2015 there and um, we eloped and didn't really tell anyone. Um, and yeah, got married on uh, the day after my birthday. So I can't really forget our wedding anniversary. <laughs> I hope not. Yeah. I got one better than you. It's on my, on my wedding anniversary is on my birthday. So. Oh, you can't do that because then you only get one present, mate. Oh, I wasn't going to get one anyway, mate, so it's all good. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. No, but, that, that's Africa. It's, it, and people always get sick of me talking about Africa, but I never, my wife and I, we never get sick of it. Yeah, and she hunted when I was over there as well. Like She shot a few. She shot more critters than what I did. Um, yeah. And all with a, a pretty – dialed in nice um seiko 243 yeah with just a yeah genuine cartridge just caliber yep. i should say look just a, just a you know a, a good solid caliber and 
Yeah. Well, Giselle, two, four, yeah. three, shot some stuff around the world, I bet. Oh, and a lot of people say, oh, gee, that was, that's light calibre for Africa. It can be. Um, and there's an old saying, you know, use enough gun when you're hunting African game because they don't want to die easy. Yeah. Um, but Karen, she was 15 years in the police force and she, she can handle shoot. herself. Yeah, she can shoot. So she didn't take much teaching at all. So, yeah. And it's funny thing with women, like they, they just don't have that buck fever. It sort of doesn't surge through them beforehand, if that makes yep. sense. Yeah. She was, she was icy cold. You know, looking through, because we were hunting a lot, and then the, the PA, she just say to her, right, Karen, see that one there? You can shoot that one. And she just line it up and bam, down yep. and drop. Like, oh, yeah, and you want me to do, what else do you want me to do today? Yeah. <laughs> so, just just saw that, just a written, written book. Yeah, so if ever I'm in trouble, I'm going to run really fast. <laughs> Start zigzagging. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully I zig when I should zig and zag. Oh. And zag. <laughs> yep. It's funny you say that about the, you know, like, as much gun as you can. I mean, I've spoken to a lot of guys over in the States at the same thing, and they said, oh, what caliber for this one for that? And you'll hear nearly all the outfitters say the one that you can shoot accurately. Yep. Like the one yep. that you can put it on the spot. And it, it comes back to even the bows and everything. Like, there's well, no use shooting 80 pound if you shoot 60 pound absolutely deadly. Shoot yep. 60 pound. It's simple. No, you're exactly right. So, and then more so with, with guys that, you know, with the resurgence of, of traditional archery and yeah. whatnot. And I always, you know, like I get messages of guys or, or, or whatever, and um, I just say to them, just start slow. Don't be, you know, don't be scared to get a set of 50-pound limbs on yeah. a recurve and use that. And then in, in the meantime, there's nothing stopping you doing a lot of push-ups, a lot of dips, and a lot of chin-ups to get stronger in the upper body strength as uh-huh. well as shooting your bow every day. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a but, big one, isn't it? Just that repetitive, yeah, without being over the top, um, so there's yeah. no damage. But yeah, that repetitive shooting, it's it's it, a big one. Oh, 100%. And then, you know, like anyone that sort of picks up a stick bow now and goes, oh, I want to shoot 60 pound because, you know, I shoot 60 pound or my mate shoots, you know, very few guys can pick up a stick bow and shoot 60 pounds quite comfortably and yep. accurately. Yeah. Um, without getting into bad habits. And once you, you know, like anything, you get in a bad habit, they're hard to break and you yeah. have to rewire. Yeah. And, um, what's your, um, and sorry, going on a tangent here, but I'm going to throw it at you. Uh, what's your shooting style? Completely instinctive or like how, what's your yeah, um, I, process? When taught, yeah. When I was taught to shoot a, shoot a bow, uh, even a compound, like up north, a lot of guys shot compounds for years up there with yep. no sights. That's really how I started. Hard. I shot that for yeah. four years. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then, like, when I was sort of getting, like, the right tuition, for want of better words, um, old Graham said to me, just, it's like throwing a ball or throwing a dart. Yep. You don't, yep. you just want to look where that's going to land. Uh, and that's how I sort of taught myself. And then just repetitive shooting over dif- different ranges. Um, so now I just, like, I could break down my shot sequence, but I won't go into it too much. But I I just pick a spot where I want it to, to go and, and concentrate solely on that. And then I'll draw my bow, and then um, I actually look at the back of the riser as, my, as I draw my bow, and then I sink into my anchor, and then yep. I'll pick that spot again, and then I'll, I'll let drive. Okay. Um, that's that's it. and it's purely on you know on on the smallest possible, like on a on a three D target or something like that. I'll look at an old arrow hole or someone's knock if I'm yep. shooting behind, um, or on an animal, you know, like a the smallest smallest woman. Uh, you know, different hair colour or something to that effect and just burning that into it. That focus point. 
Yeah, and I, I don't change my gear. I don't change um, my arrow setups. I shoot the same arrows have done for a long time. The only if I do change, I'll, I'll go from carbon to timber arrows. Okay. That's about it. Yep. Um, but I generally try and keep them around the same weight. And even then when I'm hunting, I do a lot of stump shooting. So I'll just or roving or whatever that you want to call it. But I'll, I'll have a lot of judo points or blunts in my, in my quiver and I'll just all day just walk along, shoot 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 and then yeah it um just your eyes in your shoulders are in you're warmed up and it's and that's what really sort of caught me when i was in new zealand i went to draw my bow in the tree stand and it was like eight degrees freezing my ass <laughs> <laughs> it was a comedy of errors when i finally got into this freaking tree stand i tell you but um and i was sitting in there and i think oh, i might just draw my bow to see how we look here and dead said like my bow's it's 63 pound at my draw of 29 inches yep. and I, I have a firm draw. I don't like a snap shoot or anything. I sink into my anchor and I shoot that way. And I struggled to get that back because I was so cold and Ooh. I just wasn't. Yeah. Tight, so, tight. And, I, and you know what? I've read that so many times. I'd read in magazines and articles on guys hunting tree stands in America and yep. being cold and not being able to draw their bow. But, you know, I grew up in North Queensland. Like I never even had a coat. I don't think yep. I was 16. So. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah oh, it's, um, yeah it's uh if i go back or when i go back to stewart island i'll be getting a set of 55 pound limbs and that's yep. the only thing i'll change okay and, if yeah. you don't want me to ask run through your setup uh so for years i shot black widow bows um they just shot well for me and i've had about five i think last count i've still got one now that i won't sell it's just it's, it's me me favorite um and that's they black widow know how to make a hell of a bow yeah uh, i've got one of mark kimber's uh, huntsman's awesome. uh, he, made, he made me a recurve that i've hunted africa twice with that bow now um it's a great bow um shoots like a dream um yeah and mark's a close friend of mine and he used to we used to uh have to hit well, him up. To make, i have to hit him up one day yeah, yeah, good luck. He's, he's hard to get a hold of, Mark, and he's he's just moved house, and he's once he gets his workshop up and running, and he, he may build bows. Don't hold me out to that, anyone out there yeah. listening. But, um, yeah, so Mark and I was a good mate of mine. I used to stir him up because I'd turn up to his place wearing a Black Widow T-shirt, and he'd cough and sputter. <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, you haven't made me a bow yet, mate. So. Yeah, that's the only reason he made you one, just to stop you wearing that shirt. Yeah, yeah, so Mark knows how to make a bow. They're, not only functional, but he can make them really, uh, you know, quite an attractive bow at a different yeah. material. And then at the moment, though, I'm shooting um, a stalker stick bow from um, South Cox from the yep. States. And I met him when he was over at the Wild Deer Expo and got to like the guy and, and, and seeing a lot of his bows firsthand. And, you know, it was hard to sway me from shooting uh, a Black Widow because I'd shot so many of them. I knew they worked, so I'm a big fan of if it ain't broke, don't fix it sort of yep. mentality. Um, but seeing his bows in the flesh and, 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 you know, handling the grip and seeing him going, yep, this could work for me. And we spoke at length um, at the expo later on in emails and whatnot. And, um, yeah, I gave him a deposit then for a, one of his coyote uh stick bows but it's awesome. like a it's a three-piece longbow um, yep yep and I, I love it it's he's made me two sets of limbs for it now one 75 pound and the oh. other set i've got is uh 63 pound which is one i'm shooting most yeah 75 yep. pound is when i i call in a few favors for some buffalo or something <laughs> that's a guy <laughs> i um i was shooting one uh just the other weekend we we're out west 
Uh, I can't remember what mod it was, but it was one of the South's stalkers. Yeah, um, yeah. In curve, and it was it was fifty pound limbs. I think it was fifty at twenty seven, twenty eight, maybe something yeah. like that. Jeez, it was 20. nice. It was it was probably one of the nicest. Not that I've shot a lot of them, and I don't really know what I'm doing, but it, yeah. it just felt really good. Actually, uh, I was yeah. impressed. It sort of got me half like, oh, I wouldn't mind one of these just to fuck around and camp with. Uh, then, then, uh, you got to be careful because they can, yeah. They, yeah once they dig their in there, it's um, welcome to the dark side. Oh no, <laughs> but I can't shoot shit with the compound either, so I, I think I'm pretty safe <laughs> for now. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was talking to Josh Rogers about it, oh. Mr. Samber himself. Yeah. I just give, him a, give him a few tips, and here he is knocking him over left, right, and center. I said, <laughs> well, that's the last time I tell anyone anything. He's a <laughs> shit. Yeah, take claim it. Like, at least take something <laughs> off him to say, yeah, it was all my tip, I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, watch out for snakes with your bare hobbit. <laughs> too, you mug. But anyone who doesn't know, Josh Rogers got bitten by a tiger snake. Ended up yeah. in hospital. Mad bastard, but anyway. And He's yeah, still alive, so we can still get more info, mate, information out of him. Yeah, we'll still, uh, we should get him to write down a lot more, do a lot more podcasts. He certainly sounds a knowledgeable guy. Oh, but, mate, he's off the charts. Especially with, you know, he, he took up that stick bow Herbie's. I sent it down to him because I had it here. Oh, really? And, and uh, sent it to him, and a week later I get this photo, freaking dead Samba. I'm like, oh, my God, this guy. <laughs> <laughs> but, again, he, he's obviously an exceptional hunter, and he knows the inside out so yep. it's just he's knowledge. putting himself in the right situation knowledge and he spends a lot of time in the bush like you know yeah uh, tenfold the most you know what i mean and yeah 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 and that's and he's done he's done it right like he's 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 if you wanted to take up a stick bone as i said before just start off light you know like leave the ego at home in the door like the door doorway it um yeah you, you just start off light Get get technique down pat and, and shoot well and and don't be in a rush because yeah Rome wasn't built in a day when you when you're taking on and then like he's an exception to the rule like that many guys will take up a stick bar and won't hit nothing for a yep. long time other guys will pick up a stick bar and and just gel to it and all of it was obviously hunting skill and, and knowing the animals as well yeah yep. um, but Josh is obviously an exception to the rule he's he knows his stuff and he, you know good on him for 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 knocking that out of the park straight away. Yeah, definitely. I still, I still think it was my online tuition. Yeah, no, I claim that. I'm telling you, claim it. He hasn't sent me the, the bill either yet, so <laughs> I haven't seen. He's, a, he's an expensive mongrel. So watch it. <laughs> yeah. I'll just cut him a check now. So. Yeah, yeah. He, um, I, I think we went on a tangent before you answered it, but you, you mentioned the bows. Uh, what's your, yep. what's your arrow set up? Weights, broadheads, all that kind of stuff. Well, generally as a rule, I've always tried to follow that 10 grains per pound. Yep. Um, so if the bow's 50 pound, you know, aim it for 500 oh. grain arrow. That's what sort of I've aimed at. I've sort of settled my arrows now. Um, pulled me 60, both my bows are 63 pound that I shoot. Uh, and the, those arrows are rolling in at around 670 grains with yep. a 200 grain broadhead up front. And they're... They're an unknown, not an unknown, but a very underrated um, carbon arrow that I get from the States called Arrow Dynamics. Okay. And yeah, I've heard them. Yeah, they're just like a, they're a small company. They're made in America. The reason that these are good is because they're a full, fully tapered arrow and they're what they call a rat tail taper. So you imagine like a rat's tail starts thick and goes all the way thin to the end. That's gotcha. so 
they're, they're designed very similar to the Grizzly Stick, if a lot of guys have heard of those. So they're, they're fully tapered and they, they recover from their paradox a lot quicker, so they yep. straighten up quicker. Straighten up a lot quicker. Yep, and then when they impact on something as well, they're, they're quite stiff and they, mm. they, they're not getting a – like you, if you just slow down the impact of an arrow – with, with footage uh, on a target and watch them whip and, and bend um, and different arrows will, will have obviously recover from that quicker and sooner. So when that arrow hits an animal, if it's not whipping and bending, it's actually, you know, going through the animal. It's punching further. hard, punching forward. Yeah. Yep. So, and then, so I roll, I've rolled with them for a number of years now. I think I've got about four or five dozen still in the wrapper um, up in the rafters in my in house here. <laughs> You're good for so, a while. Yeah, I believe in you can't have enough arrows or bows or knives or guns so, <laughs> or broadheads. How's your wife do it? Yeah, oh, yeah. my wife's got grey hair, mate. <laughs> but uh, so that's, yeah, and they, 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 these ones are they're actually, um, oh, they, they even look like timber. They've got like a timber sort of. Finish on them. Yeah, so and they, they're that full, fully um, tapered arrow and then they're just uh, good heavy and I've got a brass insert up front and yeah, 200, okay. 200 grain broadhead on them and, and then I've shot a number like a good number of animals with them and they, they've always performed the only animal that I, I sort of armed and hard and it wasn't until I seen it was um, a big old Gemsbok when I was yeah, in right. Namibia they, they're like built like a barrel just yeah. so oh I was quite shocked like people talk up kudu the um yeah, they, they're quite hard to kill. Kudu are very thin and narrow through the body, whereas okay. a, a gem, yeah, Gemsbok are quite round and solid. Right, oh, so he carries it right through. Yeah, yep. um, they're big, like a barrel-chested sort of fella, and mm-hmm. um, even the cows are, are like that as well. And I, when I shot mine, I shot it with the same setup, but with a 200-grain three-blade uh, VPA, and actually went through and then bounced off the far side rib and come back. But if I had my time again, I would have just used a, a, a two-blade single bevel. I was just about um, to say that. Are you a two- or three-grade man? On deer, I, I like a three-blade because I yep. just want, you know, I, I, I feel that with the four to center on my arrows and, you know, the 670 grains and I'm, I've got a 29-inch draw, so a long power stroke. That's and good. Then, yeah, they're, they're moving. I've never, you know, put them through a chrono, but... I'd say they'd be hammering out there. Yep. And then, yeah, like 63-pounders at my draws, they're fairly hammering along. Yep. So I, I, I've, you know, um, used three-blade broadheads for a lot of games, especially deer and, and things like that I'll use. Are you, uh, you shooting VPAs? Yes. I yeah, because they're a long, like quite a long broadhead, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. And then I, the way I sharpen them as well, I hollow grind them on a, on a grinding wheel. Okay. And then I'll just lay them then flat on a, on a stone and oh, you can get them absolutely popping sharp yeah because um, you i uh i shot them years ago and um yeah you could eventually get them so you just laid the laid the head flat on the stone or whatever you're using yeah. and uh that yeah, angle yeah. was pretty good oh yeah they're, they're a great head like they've and they've claimed a lot of animals um, and I, don't get me wrong like there's and broadheads are very personal like knives and, yep. and dogs and wives i guess everyone likes a different <laughs> different animal um but yeah i I've just had a lot of a lot of success with them, um, with three blade heads. I've shot a lot of deer with them, and and put you put again like my wife shooting everything in Africa with two four three. You put it where it's meant to go. It's, mm. The animal's going to die. It's um, yeah. And I mean, I've got a lot of I've got some two blade, um, single bevel three to one broadheads that I'm going to 
USB Rollins shortly with. Um, yeah. I've had them for years. I've used them before. They're called um, Tough Heads, and they're from okay. the state. Uh, so I'll, I'll be rolling with some of them as well. Um, I'm just in talks with the guys over there now. Yep. Uh, but that's that's another story for another time. But they're they're for a two blade single bevel. They're, they're that three to one ratio, and any of your big game stuff, I, I, they'd be deadly. Even deer, you know, or samba or something like that, would be just as good. I'd say. Yeah, yeah, uh, most definitely. It's funny but, you say yeah. that the broader to the personal thing. It's you know I like how everyone you know. Uh, I mean, obviously, Koyuga is a you know a sponsor of the podcast, and, yeah. and a few of the other Aussie guys as well. You know, really starting to get into the technical sort of things rather than just producing a broadhead and say, you know, shoot this. Um, yes. I like the fact they're starting to play around with, with little things, and you know, Koyuga's pilot cuts one. You know, for someone that yep. doesn't understand, it's probably going a little bit hard to yeah you know, to to probably pick that up. But once I think you get your head around the purpose of it, and they're actually coming up pretty sharp very shortly, so that's going to be a game changer. Yeah, with and a lot of guys are, you know, as you said, it, broadheads are a personal choice, and, and Big time. you know, as long as they're, pardon me, as long as they're sharp and and, and like attuned and shoot well and be confident in your gear, like yeah. there's nothing like when you're shooting, no matter what it is, or you're playing sport, or, or you know, going to the gym or whatever. If you're confident in, in doing a lift or, or shooting your bow or, or shooting your rifle or whatever, if, if that confidence is there, nothing can stop you. But when you, if you're drawn down on an animal, and you think, oh, that broadhead last time it bent when I shot that oh, big ball. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it ain't that. That's the last thing you need because you know you need to be concentrating on the spot or, or you whatever. Don't wanna, you don't want to think about that. You want to concentrate on that spot. You don't. You don't even know you drew your bow back. Exactly. Exactly. And then. Yeah, that's like I remember. I don't remember actually. A lot of shots have gone. Well, I don't even remember drawing my bow. What happened? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're the good ones, generally. Yeah, generally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but um, yeah. I mean, there's some great broadheads coming out of Australia now, um, and there's some old-time broadheads still yeah. produced in Australia. Um, I just yeah, and it, it people sort of say, oh, they're expensive or they're not expensive or whatever. But you know, that is the first thing. In making a, a good hunt, a successful hunt is oh, that yeah. broadhead. And if it's not, if it's not sharp, if it's not tuned, you now if it's mounted mounted incorrectly, if it doesn't spin true, straight away you just you're just leading down the path of things going pear shaped and and the brown stuff hitting the fan. And yep. so spend a bit of time on your gear, get your broadhead sharp. If you don't know, ask someone. You know, yeah, definitely. Or, or there's a ton of stuff on YouTube or on any of the makers' websites, no matter what brand of broadhead you shoot, um, seek help just because, you know, you, you can't sharpen or whatever. Don't think yourself a lesser person. Just, just um, yeah. yeah. Right. It, it is a knack. There's, you know, I've only really in the last couple of years that really sort of got, oh, so I've just got to, I've got to work this out. You know, you know, I could get the every second second head. And I used to give it to my dad because dad could get a razor and, <laughs> it's just easy enough to do that, you know what I mean? Because he was usually in kit with me anyway, or whatever. And yeah, it was just one day I sat down there. I was like, "Gotta get." And now, off, you know, you get a favourite file, so I shaft yep. my two blades with a file, and um, you know, you, just, you find it. I lost it for a while there. I thought I left it over in the states, but I found yep. it, and uh, it's never been the same. It's bloody awesome. I back onto my old file, and I got them sharp again. So it's just yeah. little things yeah. like that, but. Um, it's a hand-eye coordination thing, and yeah, you know, what it like whether you use a, a you know a, a linisher or a buffing wheel or yep. whatever, or you strop it or whatever method you works works for you, then do it. Like do if it. it if it rolls the, the hairs off your arm or your leg, then they're, they're good enough. You're pretty good to go. Pretty 
pretty yeah. good to go. It's funny, like talking to raise Bill Baker again. I've seen him a number of times would, would go up to someone's quiver when they weren't watching, of course, and he would just pull out an arrow and he'd just run his thumb across the broadhead and yep. put the arrow back in the quiver. Just And they were fellow hunters. Yep. Um, and he would, yeah, he would just check and he would say to you, and he'd have to have that conversation with hunters that would turn up to camp, yeah, you're not you're not using those broadheads because he didn't believe in um, expandable broadheads. I yep. personally don't believe in them either, but there's other people that you know say they work. Um, I think you're mad to use one in a stick boat, but there's probably people that do. Yeah. Um, but hey, that's the end of the day. Like, yeah, I like again, uh, personal preference yeah. again. But yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, there's not a lot of not a lot of evidence backing that. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not the authority on broadheads. No, 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 no. We won't go there. Well, but um. I tell you what, you know, you, you brought Bill back up. Um, what's your fondest memory of him? I'll try I know it's hard to pick one, but yeah, I'll try and keep this story short because it's just an amazing thing, you know. Like it, it's it, it was Bill and, and Brad myself to yeah. a T, you know. Like the three of us um, were at Gladstone for a traditional shoot a number of years ago. Now it was Belton down rain, and we'd all in the club house there early. We are all sort of sitting around talking and having beers and, and whatnot. It was probably about four in the afternoon, I guess. Anyway, this young kid, we're sort of standing there, you know, three of us talking away or whatever, and this young kid walked up to, to Bill and he goes, you know, this kid would have been, oh, probably eight, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, and he had his little recurve in his hand and he, and he looked up at Bill and he said, excuse me, and Bill being the gentleman he was, he goes, yeah, mate, yeah. He goes, uh, are, are, you, are you Bill Baker? And Bill looks at me, and he looks at Brad, and he looks at the young fellow with this big shit-eating grin on his face that only Bill could get. And uh, he goes, uh, yes, I am Bill Baker. And he goes, I, would you be able to sign my bow? Oh. <laughs> and Bill looks at me again and looks at Brad because he thought it was this a joy up, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this, this young fellow pulls out this um, texter, and, and Bill signs it, and then, yeah. That was uh, one of the fondest memories. And Bill, this kid, you know, walks off and Bill says uh, to both Brad and I, I thought you bastards set me up then. <laughs> we, we said, no, no, man, that's just that's a, you know, a trait of who you are, mate. Take it. Yeah. And I think Brad sort of said to him, um, that's just who you are, mate. But, uh, yeah. A good thing to see. So, and, and, yeah, it was just one of them special moments, I guess. But that's – that's Bill. And he, he, Bill had a special place for anyone, you know. Like yeah. he, he could sort of talk on any subject, and he, he'd hunted, you know, Africa a couple of times. He'd hunted the states. He'd hunted New Zealand, and and done a lot of hunting up on the basalt, and probably places and hunts that I'd never even heard him talk about. Um, yeah. And like I said, he just changed a lot of people. He, he, very few people, uh, I find that sort of fit this mold where when they talk, you sort of just slowly shut up and and and, and you listen and, and listen. bill was one of them yeah bill was one of them guys where he just spoke and people just 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 listen because he yeah. you know and it's just a shame that sadly he went when he did you know it, um yeah. he was just called away too early and i like to think bill's up there now he's scouting ahead for all of us doing a bit of bit of bit of scouting and got the got the billy on the fire and and uh he's he knows where the the good deer are hanging out and we'll all get there eventually and we'll all uh, be able to hunt with him, I guess. But, yeah, um, definitely. I mean, I still, and, and I don't want to take this away from, you know, you telling your own stories, but 
you know, he, he definitely he holds a special place for yourself. And, and you know, he holds just in, in Australian bow hunting in general. Um, yeah. You know, he holds a very special place, you know. And, mate, I still remember the phone call, uh, you know, that his wife Linda rang me and said, look, you know, we're just going to have to put your hunt off. And it was the year he passed. Um, yeah. It was the year I was booked in. And it's just something I still remember the day. I still remember taking the call. Like, I just... You know, yep. I'd only booked yep. a little earlier in that year. I, I got a spot. Dad and I were going up, and you know, that, obviously that, you know, that that led to other things those that time. But yeah, it's yeah. one that yeah. I sort of remember that. You know, a lot of the people I talk to, you know, uh, Brad Smith, you know, everyone knows Smithy, and you know, one one person he talked about a lot. You know, he, yes. was Bill, and yeah, you know, he Smithy spent a lot. Of, tight. He was, and he spent a lot of time up there, and, and some of the stories I get told, and just the laughs, like. Yeah, some of the shit they got up to, and you know, well, here's a, a special I'll, man. I'll, I'll tell you a quick story about Bill that'll make you laugh. <laughs> so we're on there was myself, Bill, and um, Dave Panda, and yep. we're at the same traditional shoot, and we're all standing there. And it was night time, and we're all standing at the target butt because they had lights on, and we're all shooting away. And Dave had a new new long butt, <laughs> and he's shooting away, and this thing you could not miss, and. I'd have a couple of shots, and then Bill would have a couple of shots, and then Dave would have a couple of shots, and and we're, we're sort of having beers and 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 shooting and talking and you know admiring this this longbow, and, and uh, Bill goes, oh, geez, I'll go and get another round, and and yeah, yeah, no worries. So just before he leaves, Dave Pender goes, this bow's for sale. Oh, okay. So Bill goes and gets another round of beers, and I knew Bill wanted that bow. So as soon as Bill left, I said to Dave, I'll give you 400 bucks for it. <laughs> <laughs> Bought it from underneath underneath Bill's nose. As he's walking back, Dave and I are shaking hands, and Bill's like, tell me you didn't just buy that bow. And I went, yeah, mate, beat you. <laughs> <laughs> but it gets better. So I, I, I think it was 400 or 450 bucks or something like that. I, I bought it off Dave. And um, anyway, that – I think that year I had I got deployed to I think it was my first or second tour at to East Team or whatever it was, and um, so I'm over there working away. And my wife sends me this uh, this letter, and she goes, "Oh, Bill was here the other day, and he gave me four hundred dollars for your bow that you were selling." I was like, <laughs> <laughs> that sneaky bastard! Oh, what a legend! He went to Townsville, and I was out of the country. Goes and gives my ex-wife four hundred and fifty bucks, gets the bow, and pisses off with it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm getting, I'm reading this letter. Oh, I wasn't selling a bow. You and I'm shaking my head because I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm in East Timor. Well, I was there for seven months. I didn't yeah. know what was what. <laughs> I get home, sure enough, the bow's gone. I thought, that bastard. So, Rangan, we had a good old laugh about it. But, um, <laughs> Mate, he would have been laughing all the way home. He's sitting up there laughing yeah, he, right he's now. Still he's still like, Yeah, but, freaking uh, out. When, when Bill passed, Brad came. Well, we were all sort of um, processing it all as it was. And mm. Brad, Brad, he still lives in Townsville. He said, oh, come over. I've, I've got something for you. I went, oh, okay. So, went around to Brad's place. And um, I was living at Mackay at the time. And Brad goes up into the ceiling of this mansion that Brad Kane lives in and uh, pulls out this bow and he walks down the down the stairs and he goes, here you go, mate, Bill left this in the, in his will for you. And oh, it was the yeah. same, same bow. So yeah, I've, it's sort of come full circle, that bow. Yeah. I, I, I got it here wrapped in a – I'm looking at it at the moment. Actually, it's wrapped in a, in a uh, bow sock and 
I'll never string it again. I don't think, you know, I had plans to take it for a hunt up the basalt, and I just thought, no, no, my luck had bloody something blow up. To it. Yeah, or something happened to it. Yep. But, um, and I mean, that that bow, you know, it's just a bit of timber, but it means so much, and it's had yeah. so many laughs and such a journey, and people hear that story and they go, man, that's a hell of a story, but that's just how it unfolded. And that was Bill Baker, you know. Yeah. He's a character. He's just a character, and that's, you know, who would have think to, only Bill would think to turn up to someone's house <laughs> with the cat. <laughs> me to buy that bow of owls can you just show me it and that go, is yeah. awesome that is a that's a ripper i have to try that on a few things come that's, here to buy the house try... yeah that's uh <laughs> that's bill baker for you but i mean brad kane and and dan smith and even cash you'd have a milton cunningham they're all them guys that have a number of stories of, of bill baker with um and linda herself you know yeah um bless her she'd have thousands of stories of bill baker because that's just that's just Bill. He was a rat. <laughs> a might, good one. Might be something we need to line up, I think. Yeah, there's probably guys out there that could tell better stories than what I can uh, of Bill, probably with uh, more justice. And I only met him sort of in the latter part of his life. I know he, he knew guys for years, yeah. years and years. And, um, yeah, he was he was a special guy, Bill. Of course. Just just not not a very good bow, bow salesman. <laughs> <laughs> good bow buyer. Good bow buyer. <laughs> Prick. <laughs> well, mate, on on such a good note, mate. I think um, I I think we we will leave it there. And um, mate, it's been good. unbelievable to talk to you. It's um, you've made many stories, mate, and and you probably need to give yourself a little bit more credit, mate. But ah, thanks, we, mate. Uh, thanks yeah, mate. We sort of we went down many rabbit holes, mate, and probably a top a couple of topics there that probably no one's seen coming, mate. But I think it was um. You know, I think any time that we can talk about you know, their health in general and, and things like that uh, with yeah. the platform that we've got, I think it's a good thing. So um, I can't thank you enough for your time. And, um, no, no, thanks for having me on. It's um, yeah, it's not a not something that you sort of you do every day. Podcasts, I guess. We're not Aaron Snyder or um, <laughs> or Herbie. They got it down later. Don't they got it down pat. Don't they? they got it all bloody yeah. happening. But um, no, nah, mate, I, it took a little bit to get organised, mate, only because of both our schedules. But um, yeah. I think it was, you know, I've, I've really enjoyed it, mate. I, I got a lot out of it, and uh, appreciate it, mate. I don't, uh, I don't listen to many of them back, mate. But I, I know there's a few things in this one that uh, that I'll, I'll get out of for sure, mate. So um, I can't thank you enough. No, appreciate it, mate. Thanks for having me on, and um, yeah, we'll, we'll be in touch, man. Most definitely, mate. And uh, well, hopefully, one of these expos, mate, we'll, we'll get you down. I think there's a for anyone that knows, I think there's a shot expo or something they're calling it. I think in May, I think there's one in Melbourne. I don't know whether that's the same one that was in Melbourne and Sydney last year. I'm not sure, but um, hopefully there's a gathering of people that'll make that. We can uh, get rowdy like we did last year. Yeah, mate, that sounds like a plan. We'll have a, a warm beer and a cold hamburger. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> It'll happen that way, no doubt, mate. So. <laughs> Good on you, mate. Good on you, Al. Thanks again, mate. And. Um, yeah, enjoy your rest of your night, mate, and uh, and all the best for the rut, mate. I hope you get rip into them. Yeah, cheers. You too, mate. See you, buddy. Bye, right, man. Bye. Right. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hunting Camp Down Under. As always, thank you to Hoyt Bow Hunting and XA Mountain Gear for their ongoing support. A little side note. If you guys are any time interested in hunting the States, now I know I talk about it all the time, but... If you haven't heard already, I have started a tag application service uh, through the Hunting Camp Down Under website. Um, please shoot me an email, huntingcampdownunder at gmail.com or simply head into the website 
and uh, throw your details in there and a, a note will come through to me. Um, if you just want to have a chat about it and, you know, whether it's just once or, you know, once in a lifetime or you want to do something every year like some of us do, please just drop us a line and uh, I'll be more than happy to help you out. So until next time, guys, thank you again and uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Bye for now.